If you could share one big idea to change the future of education, what would it be? In our One Big Idea series on Future of School, the podcast, we'll hear from a diverse array of education stakeholders, from parents and educators to longtime industry leaders who will share their bold proposals to transform teaching and learning in the United States. Together, we'll amplify one another's unique perspectives, consider new solutions, and above all, make sure every voice is included in the conversation. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of our One Big Idea series here on Future of School, the podcast. It's my pleasure to welcome Justina Nixon-Santiel, Vice President of Communications and Global Corporate Social Responsibility at IBM to our series. Welcome, Justina. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for having me. Justina drives global social responsibility strategy and initiatives that enable IBM's technology and talent to address an impact at scale, the most demanding societal and community challenges to both growth and established markets. Among other initiatives, Justina leads a variety of programs that leverage multi-sector partnerships to help create more inclusive and innovative schools and workforce. I'm excited to hear about Justina's one big idea. Retraining through upskilling is a viable alternative to traditional education. I'm going to turn, turn it over to you, Justina, to kick it off by telling us about this amazing big idea. Thanks, Amy. And again, so great to be here with you today. So our one big idea, as you mentioned, is how do we retrain through upskilling programs and provide that as a complement to traditional educational pathways? And that's something that we, have, we are investing in in a big way, providing options to students and to job seekers so that they can obtain a meaningful job without necessarily attaining a four-year degree. So when you really go back and look at what has happened in the last 18 months with the pandemic, many people had career re-evaluations. They've really thought about what they wanted to do, whether they needed to change careers, how they would be able to change careers. Could they move into the tech field? right, which, as we know, provides a lot of opportunity from a financial perspective, you know, for young people. And what we are saying here is that you don't necessarily need to obtain a four-year degree to move into a tech job, for example, in cybersecurity or in data analytics or in artificial intelligence. It could be done with reskilling and upskilling programs. Even people that are currently in a career Um, and they want to switch again to another field, they could obtain the skills and the credentials they need through upskilling programs instead of going back and getting a a degree from college. Now, that does not take away the fact that four-year degrees, they do open doors, right? They, They provide access to education and opportunity, but this is really around options. Um, We do believe that the four-year degree has provided barriers to certain groups, right, to be successful to get jobs. For example, one of the things that we did at IBM was to say at least 50% of our job postings would not require a four-year degree. And we have seen that half removing the four-year degree has increased our diverse applicants by 63%. 
So we know wow. that has created a barrier for many people. And now we're saying you don't really need that four-year degree. If you have it, that's great. But there are other venues, there are other paths to a successful job, especially in the tech field, without it. Wow, that's an amazing statistic and fact uh, that backs up this idea about upskilling being an equally, if not more valid pathway for students for career readiness. So one question that I have for you, you touched upon this um, briefly just now. In addition to increasing, obviously, access and equity, what are some other factors that make this idea so urgent right now as we sit in 2021? Well, I think when you consider like what is happening around automation, right, you have a lot of what would have been considered, you know, entry level jobs in certain fields that are going away because of automation. So in addition to just creating a more diverse pipeline and opportunity for groups of people that have historically been left behind or um, excluded from these types of jobs, just in general, society needs to skill up, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is this is more often there's more of an urgency around it overall to make sure that as technology is disrupting, right, the um, workplace, we want to make sure that everyone has the digital skills that they need to be successful and that they they have the right tech skills in any industry. This is not just about tech industries, whether you are in retail whether you are in manufacturing, any industry, you are going to need those tech skills and you do not need to a traditional education path to get them. You can get them through programs like Skills Build, right? Where you can obtain through a three month or a six month pathway, a, a course pathway, the right credential, for example, in cybersecurity. And you're able to work in a small, medium and large business you know, leading this work. And these are, you know, relatively good paying jobs. These are jobs that can help you support yourself and your family. So I think there's an overall urgency around making sure that these types of programs and skilling opportunities are available for all because of the way that technology is evolving so fast in our society and in our business. Yeah. Now, when we talk about that at Future of School as well, we talk about the rate and pace of change in our society has impacted every vertical, except for, in our case, we say K-12 education, that in large part, schools exist like they did at their inception, you know, 150 or so years ago. Yeah, so I'm yeah. curious to know what role, when do you think conversations about upskilling should start? At, at what grade, at what, what grade, what age? I think it should start as early as possible. I mean, our focus is on high school and above. So we work with high schools across the country, with community colleges, with four-year academic institutions as well. And again, with job seekers, because this is a really around making sure no matter where you are, right, that you have exposure to these technologies and these STEM skills so that you could be successful. But I honestly think it should start early. And there are many companies doing this work, right? Whether you are um, you know, a student in elementary school, you should have exposure and you should be building on your digital skills. Middle school as well, which we know is an area where a lot of kids do lose focus and they get disengaged in school. This is a way to come in and provide them with access to these new technologies, we could, which could really re-engage them and make them excited about being in school, right? And being in some of those STEM classes. But I think every age is appropriate 
to be able to provide that kind of exposure to these new technologies. We were just recently talking about quantum, right? So quantum is a new technology and IBM is one of the leaders in this space. It's, you know, we're still a few years away when quantum becomes really well known and, you know, is really available for the masses. But now is the right time to educate high school students and college students on what quantum is. So that by the time they graduate, by the time they have access to some of those opportunities, they'll be ready. They'll understand what it means. They'll probably have a badge or credential around it, and they will be able to apply for those jobs down the line. So I think no matter what age, we need to make sure that students and adults are getting access to these skills and exposure to these new technologies. Really well said. And I appreciate and love the fact that you're working with primarily high schools, but also that you're open to middle schools too. And I'm curious to know, Justina, do you find, what is the process that that you follow to work with schools? And the second piece of that is, do you find them to be receptive to the concept of upskilling? Yeah, absolutely. So we partner with districts um, across the U.S. and also we partner with ministries of education globally. So our work and our our programming is global, um, but specific to the U.S., we work with districts and we usually find that there are districts that are more innovative. There are districts that want to bring this kind of content and skilling program to their students and they insert it in their curriculum or they provide it as an enrichment opportunity, especially for students that have that strong interest. So we work directly with districts to be able to bring these programs to them. And then we work with nonprofit organizations that support students in after school, in weekend programs as well. So we have a number of nonprofit organizations that we partner with to bring these skilling programs to students. And then we have a really strong focus on marginalized populations. In the US, especially brown and black communities, women who have been left out of the tech workforce, um, you know, veterans. So we work with nonprofit organizations that are able to bring our skilling programs directly to those groups and provide a full 360 degree support, access to the training, access to our mentors and our coaches from IBM, and also access to um, job opportunities as well. So we work with nonprofit organizations that are able to bring that holistic support to those targeted groups that we want to impact. Yeah, it goes back to that age old saying that it takes a village, right? Yes. A village to raise a child. <laughs> and I don't know that it's ever been, you know, more important than right now in, in the space where schools are raising their hands saying they want creative programs. Not all of them, but some of them are saying we want creative programs. We want to use technology in a way that prepares our kids for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said about it takes a village because we're not just doing this alone, right? These are all private public partnerships. This is working with nonprofit organizations. This is um, you know, working with districts again that are raising their hands and they wanna bring these innovative practices and these new technologies to their students, right? And make sure they have that exposure. So it really takes a lot of business and partners to come together to make this successful. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying that there that there is resistance to programs like upskilling, but if there were resistance, what what kind of um, stigmas or misnomers do you think would make somebody hesitant or not ready for 
something as new or as potentially disruptive as upskilling? Yeah, I think um, if I think about the, the school space, I think that we have to upskill teachers as well. So one of the things that I think districts have as a barrier is you have companies like ours and we're providing access to this new content, for example, on, you know, artificial intelligence or cloud or data analytics or cybersecurity. And you may have teachers who also need to be upskilled as well to be able to support their students and bring these new technologies to them. So I think we have to look at all of the different people that are impacted along the way. It's not enough to just say, hey, we're gonna bring this to students and give them this access. We have to think about professors, right? And instructors in colleges. We have to think about the teachers that are in our K-12 systems as well and make sure they have the right skills and the right supports to be able to provide access to this new content for their students. Um, the other thing you know, that I've heard, which I, I, I disagree with is, you have to make sure that before you expose students to some of these uh, new skills, you have to make sure that they, they show up certain, um, certain uh, skills that you know, I think schools have been focused on for very long, right? Their math skills, their science skills, that's a given, right? You don't want to talk about a new technology if a student is still struggling in math, but I think both of those can be done together. There is no reason why students can't continue in their, um, you know, regular classrooms and their, you know, the, the regular education that they're given and then complement that with these types of opportunities, the upskilling, the content that we are bringing. So I think both of those things can be done together, which really is the genesis of my big idea. You know, how do we make sure, you know, that if, you know, as traditional education continues, we are complementing that traditional education um, in those core subject areas with the skilling opportunities. And I think that's how you make these students very successful and prepared for the jobs of the future. Yeah, very, very well said. What about parents? Do you find parents, you know, I'm not sure to what level or degree you're involved with parents, but, um, you know, oftentimes parents of school-age children can have certain opinions or perspectives on my child needs to go to a four-year school or my child has a blank slate and they can draw on it what they will. Does your program take into account any community partnership or education of parents to let them know of the benefits of upskilling since it may be new to them? Yes, yeah, so we do work with nonprofit organizations that are working with parents who may be seeking upskilling themselves. So mm-hmm. it may not necessarily be an awareness of what this means for their children, but a lot of the people that we are trying to reach our parents, our adults who are looking for these opportunities. So I do think in partnership with them and how we work with our nonprofit organizations, they're able to provide that exposure to parents as well. The one thing I'll say about parents is they want the best opportunities for their children. Mm -hmm. And because of that, again, this provides options, right? It provides options. If you have a student or a child who you don't see being successful at a four-year academic program, but they can get a credential or a badge in a tech field and also get a great job, a great job in the technical field that could support them and make them independent. I think parents are very happy about that as well. 
as much as they're happy when their student is able to get a four-year degree or go to, you know, the best colleges in the U.S. So I think, again, this gives parents options for their child. And I think in the end, um, they're happy to have that available. Um, and parents just want to see their children be successful. Definitely, definitely. And how powerful to have a parent potentially go through an upskilling program and then their child follow suit with them a few years later, right? <laughs> Seeing the success that they, they're pursuing their dreams and, and achieving a position or a job or a passion that they never necessarily thought that they could do because of training. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, probably the child may not want to work at the same place as their parents, <laughs> but, but they could definitely pursue the same, you know, uh, skill and, you know, hopefully both of them will get an opportunity at a, a, a great job. But absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, IBM just actually made a commitment to skill 30 million people by 2030. So wow. what you just said, Amy, is interesting because over the course of the next few years, you may have a lot of parents and children who are getting skilled through our programs, right, as we continue to progress against this, you know, amazing commitment uh, that we just made. So we're very proud of that. And we're going to continue to expand our programming and our partnerships with nonprofit organizations to bring those skills to students and to adults as well. Well, we look forward to, to potentially partnering with you. And it's just fascinating what you're doing. And I love the very tangible goal of 30 million people by 2030. That's a, a lofty goal, but it's attainable. And, you know, it's something that can be measured and that you can do. Oh, absolutely. We have full confidence that we can reach this goal. And it's something that we at IBM are very excited about, but in the end, we want to make sure that we are impacting society in a big way. And it's not just about the skills. It's really at the end, can you get those skills and be able to get a meaningful job that's going to increase your social and economic mobility? And that's really going to be the full impact of our work. But no, this is just such an amazing commitment. And we're just so proud of being able to, you know, make that announcement, make that commitment, and we're going to continue to track our progress against it over the next few years. Wonderful. So that brings me to our final question. And the one that our <laughs> listeners are, uh, will want to know is how, how does the education industry, including companies, but also educators and school leaders, how do they get involved with your work at IBM? So they can get more information on skillsbuild.org. That's skillsbuild.org. And we have a way that nonprofit organizations can reach out to us. And it's also the platform that enables students, teachers, nonprofit organizations, and professors to be able to access the skills, the content, the credentials, and learn more about our work. Fantastic. We'll be sure to, to share that link as well in our sharing of our podcast. Justina. I so appreciate you sharing your one big idea with our listeners and giving us more information on the efforts at IBM. It's really important, critical work. Thank you for listening to Future of School, the podcast. What's your one big idea to transform education? Connect with us on social media or on our website, www.futureof.school to share. And if you're one of our listeners enjoying the podcast on Apple, we hope you'll consider leaving a five-star review to help more people find the show.